between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. you. We bless you for another great, awesome opportunity to sit at your feet, our Lord, and to be blessed by you, to hear your words. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the mercy that we are finding, Lord, in your presence. Thank you for the dew of heaven that's resting upon every heart right now to prepare our hearts to receive your word tonight. Father, we thank you for the spirit of understanding. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom, spirit of revelation. Father, we thank you. Thank you for even counsels, deep counsels. I will flow from your mouth tonight. Thank you for the spirit of might. Thank you for knowledge, the fear of the Lord. Thank you for all the spirits that are in operation. Father, we thank you for the spirit, even the spirit of the Father. Thank you. Thank you for the spirit of truth. That spirit, Jesus, which he said he will send to us and he will guide us. He will guide us into all truth. We are submitting our hearts to him tonight. We're praying, Lord, for leading in pastures of truth. I ask for the opening of the scriptures, the opening of the book. The spirit of the division that divides it rightly. Thank you for the, even the ghost that searches it out, that searches the belly, even your belly, to bring out your depths. Thank you. Thank you. Shemini hatas teprados faradahata tumericano, tumericano. To Americano, to Americano, Oracalios, Oracalios, Oracalios. Prestige spirit, Onia to open, open, open it up. Even I sat a ecclesios, or in vijas cessios, Christus, Erenata talibranta librahaloshe, Shedihaya, Shandi likama uri kabai, Cambriatas. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord, I just bring my vessel under you. I pray that you use this, this vessel and take my tongue and as a pen of a ready writer, use it to write your spirit upon the hearts of your people. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. 
bless your holy name. <coughs> In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Good evening, everybody. God bless you. Um, please just say you're welcome to someone. Praise God. See, I'm happy to see you. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Um, are we ready for the word today? Are you sure? Okay. Praise God. School of the Spirit is coming very, very quickly. It's fast approach, approaching. <laughs> we all know the dates, uh, do we? It's going to be the fourth to the eighth of of January, praise God. Um, we, I think we enjoyed the experience we had in Edmonton so much. Um, so we wanna, we're hoping for something very similar to that. Um, I know we are, those of us here in Ottawa, um, I, I believe God will give us grace to, um, if, you've, if you're taking time off, or off work or whatever you're doing, um, if you have that week free, to spend it with us at the venue. So we're using a, a hotel. Um, and so myself and my wife, of course, will be, will be there. We'll be staying there the whole time. Um, so we were able to get a good, a good rate for, for the place. So it's not just for people who are traveling in, so of course they will be there, those coming from Edmonton, Winnipeg and other places, they will be there. They will be staying there the whole, for the whole time. But those of us here in Ottawa as well, um, <laughs> praise God. I know some of us like our beds, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> praise God. Um, but, but I just felt that there's something, um, being able to save that driving back, you know, after the morning session, then coming back again, all of those things, being able to save that. And also, I think we're able to have more time to fellowship because we're in the same place. So uh, you can think of it like a retreat. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll send out details for, for it um, by God's grace from maybe um, tomorrow or so, so that we can, we can get on with it, those of us who need to book. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Glory to Jesus. Amen. Um, Uncle Jimmy, please, can you help us do a recap of last Wednesday? Praise God. I don't want to ask, I don't want to ask us to be led because when, we, when I say anybody who wants to do it, it will take like five minutes before someone comes up. <laughs> Praise God. So I, I want to re-strategize. I'm, I'm changing my strategy now. Praise the Lord. Amen. So last Wednesday, yeah, praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay. 
Okay. unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings and um, we were seeing that that word captain as it were I think you said something like captainship or captain is one of the words that has held its um, essence over the years in the sense that the captain is trying you, you use the analogy of a game basically like a football game like you call me football fan and you were saying that the captain is not playing a different sport he has um, vested interest, he has stakes in the game that is being played, but um, he has become something that the others should become. So we're really looking at that emphasis of, um, of what Jesus has become. So we read Philippians chapter 2, I believe you were explaining that Philippians chapter 2 captures Jesus at a point when he was made like unto men, but the capturing in Philippians chapter 2 is very different from this Hebrews capturing because in Hebrews they are capturing a particular point in his development where we, we should come to or where we should um, a state that he wants us to become basically and I believe that we, we just kept flowing in that Hebrews chapter 2 and um, one of the things we we see here, sorry, I just want to read it again um, okay, so he said that for 
as much then as children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power over death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to, to bondage, right? So we're just saying that, um, that, that Jesus has become something that we all ought to, 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 to become ourselves. But um, the emphasis itself then got to that point where we talked about where he would declare in praise. I'm, I'm so sorry, this thing is cut there. Mm. Verse 12, right? Okay, but he said, For both he that sanctified and they that sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare my name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And uh, one of the things we were learning was the wisdom of the of the mist um, is that wisdom that the scriptures or the, the language that the Holy Ghost uses to describe that uh, when we become Christians, when we are, when we get in the faith, um, we all like inwardly we are we are scattered in a way, right? We are we are scattered and we are at different levels, as it were. Um, but you said Jesus, he, he came down. So sorry. Okay, I remember now. So sorry. Um, you said he came down. One of the scriptures we read was John chapter 17, I believe. John 17. In John 17, you said that this is... So sorry. Um, okay. John 17. He says, This word spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that the son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. So um, this statement here is very key because the power that has been given has been given over all flesh, any kind of flesh. And that's why he came down as a man. So there is no form of flesh expression that um, Jesus does not have power over. And that power is just in terms of how he is able to um, give them things or influence them in a way that they can change. And one of the things you also alluded to was that the way the devil also holds and power over men is through his influence, through that position that he has taken up in the air. And from there, he dispenses his things to people. So how that then connects to, to this is when we see that, when we, be, we come to the faith, we are at different levels and he is in the midst. So one of the things he says, as we go closer, the journey gets to a point of oneness. And I believe you are also using the throne analogy to describe that. When you said, um, that, like, we looked at the throne. There was one that sat in the midst of the throne. And then there were 20 and 4 elders. And, and then you were using that analogy again to show that um, they start off as 20. But at a point, they become 4. Uh, it's just to show um, that everything or the process of the journey unifies us at a point to um, where we get to a point where we then look like him. Now, when we look like him, um, it's for him to declare something to those people. So if that first oneness, uh, like Wesley was leading in the prayers today, has not happened, then there are certain things that Jesus cannot then, ca cannot begin to declare because it is in the midst of the church we really sing praise. And one of the things we saw about that praise is it's an instrument of entrance. But the way it even came to me was more about okay. the conversation. Come, okay, hold on. Okay. Hold on, okay. Britain, full. <laughs> okay. Fill your, uh, your lungs with air. 
very deeply. Breathe out. Calm down. Okay. Okay, explain this part very well. Okay. Okay, sir. Okay. Thank you, sir. Um, what what we're saying there was he said, saying, I will declare my name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. So we know that these brethren are not just any kind of people. They are people that have journeyed to a point where they've come to that, that height in the spirit where Jesus can then begin to declare something, praise. And I believe what he is declaring there are things to further make them like him, if I say it in my own words, right? Um, but that point itself, that brethren point, as we've been learning, is a high point in the spirit because that's the first form or point of oneness that is attained in the spirit. And I believe we went back to Ephesians chapter um, 4, I believe. Yes, it says, Therefore, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit, of the spirit in the bond of, perf- of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. So one thing we began to see is no matter what the expressions, like different expressions, and I, I think we even went into like you using churches as an analogy, right? Where this is not a time where you're saying this person is of that order or this order. It's for us to be humble enough to come to that point where we see that God is working in each and every one of us in different places to bring us to that point of oneness in the spirit, that first oneness from where Jesus can then begin to declare things in the midst for the purpose of us actually looking like him. Um, Not dwelling on that too much, if I want to tie it to even like one of the things that we learned on Saturday, I believe Saturday, um, that's the point where I think uh, you were talking about that where the, sorry, one second. So sorry, sir. Please just have mercy. Um, um, one second. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. So on Saturday, one of the things we saw was in that Revelation 21, right? It says, um, and he carried me away in the spirit into a greater and high mountain, and, I, and he showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and a light was like unto a stone most precious, even like unto a jasper, or unto even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Um, I, I don't want to go too far into this, but this oneness is still going to be before that point where the light of this city can become as unto that stone most precious. Just to tie up everything I'm saying, the essence of last Wednesday was more about seeing that point in the spirit where everything comes together, where the captain can then, where, where, where Jesus can begin to declare things in the midst of, of, of the people. So sorry. Praise God. Thank you. Can we have a question? Praise God. Um, Ima, 
while you were here, right? Wait, Wednesday. Yes, <laughs> Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Can you just speak about that Hebrews 2, that Hebrews 2 place? Um, um, Hebrews 2. Mm. Okay, so you were talking about that uh, oneness as okay. Mr. Jimmy was saying. You were saying that, um, you know, that is that point where we need to come to, you know how we describe the mist, where we need to grow into that point is uh, almost you called it of one. It's not really one, okay. but of one. So it's almost like a brethrenship. I think even in the beginning, you kind of explained it that that is the, you know, in John, First John 5, where you say uh, he has come to give an understanding. That understanding is the understanding that makes them one for them to know you know, so it's almost like that point is when they have that understanding, that seal, when he knows them, when you almost call it like almost like knowing and owning, mm. that when he knows them, that that is really where his captainship really starts. Because not everybody's in the league of where he's captain, it's not everybody that he's playing the same game. So at that point, that point is really, you know, it's almost like you said, bringing many sons to glory. So Really, his, the game they're playing there is, is movement to glory. So it's almost like those songs are the um, people playing the game. So really one thing we're really trying to understand there is that is how, you know, that means that journey all the way to that point. And we kind of explained that. It's almost like we could see it too, too visually that, that there's a point where he's trying to emphasize that we need to get to because it's in that point he now starts declaring that there's some declaration he does because even though they have climbed all the way to the mountain, they're in the high this thing, but really that's where the journey is starting. That's where the journey really is starting, and that's where he's declaring that praise. He called it almost like what Mr. Jimmy said. It's almost like he said he's serenading the hearts with things of the this thing to kind of bring them somewhere, bring them to an entrance. So there's an entrance, they really, those sons, they need, really need to break through or they need to go that, you know, that he, there are things he has to say or things he has to declare. So it's almost like the whole message was almost saying that yeah, there's a point we need to get to, which is really of one, there's a brethrenship, which is not a shame to call them brethren, mm -hmm. but it's really at that point then there's now this declaration that needs to happen to take them to the glory which is the main, where, where the destination is. So at that point, they are not yet one with him. Yes, no, That's sir. one thing I wanted to yeah. also no. see. Yes, sir. From, uh, praise. So it's not like two phases of oneness. It's at that point. Let's read it. Praise the Lord. Of course, we all know that we are talking about the soul, right? We're not talking about the, the spirit man. Please, can you just appreciate my lovely wife? Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, so Hebrews 2, let's, let's read that place. Thank you, Jesus. Verse, verse 10. Hebrews 2, verse 10 says, Amen. 
Um, there's someone here that, that I, a special guest we have today. Um, I want to really, really, I want to really appreciate and honor him. He likes, he likes the back. God. My only problem is I can't see his face because I'm trying so hard to see, but he's hiding. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That, uh, that's um, brother, brother Stephen, all the way from Winnipeg. Um, Praise God. Um, he's one, he's my. We are cut out of the same material. <laughs> it's the same, the same raw material that I was cut from is where he was also cut from. We, we've been brothers since. He was one of the first brothers I had in Canada. Yeah, we did everything together. We served together. We praised the Lord. We've, we've prayed together. We've worshiped together. Praise God. <laughs> We've eaten together. Um, he's, um, amen. Um, he's one of those people who, you know, they are, their part in your life can never be removed because they are they were instruments of making. Yeah, like when, when God was looking for which which oven will He send me to to, to prepare me, and He found these brethren. <laughs> Um, so I just want to tell you that I appreciate you. Thank you for everything. Um, thank you for also loving the Lord. That's one of the greatest, um, most lov lovely things about him. It's just, he just loves God. Um, thank you. Thank you for, um, because that is a testimony, is a witness that you can't, um, when you know they're poor like Stephen, you have, you have to. <laughs> you cannot stop. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Uh, so thank you so much, sir. Um, so glad to have you in our midst today. And he's a teacher, an awesome, beautiful teacher of the word of God. Um, amen. amen. I can go on, I can preach Stephen's message today, but I'm just looking at time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. He was also my choir master at one point. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He's a wonderful musician. Um, Thank you. Has a beautiful, humble spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you, sir. Is it possible to really sit, sit in that place so I can please see you? No? <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Remember those days when, when service has ended, that's when our own service is, so, is starting. <laughs> we start our own service and sometimes we are there all night till, till the next morning. Praise God. Thank God for, thank God for such people. Praise the Lord. 
Hebrews chapter 2. Um, verse, verse 10, it says, For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, right, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. So you see that difference here, right? Um, saying that those at this point, those who are sanctified and him who is sanctifying them, they are not yet one yet. They are not yet one. Um, the purpose of the end of sanctification is to bring about oneness. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Is to bring about what? Oneness. Because at the point of, of, of course, we're talking about oneness in the soul, not in the spirit. Because, of course, in the spirit, right, said he that is joined with the Lord is one spirit with him. And that joining occurs at the new birth. Praise the Lord. Um, but now we're talking about a higher thing here. We're talking about the soul um, coming in, the soul bridging the gap that is that emerges when the new birth occurs because the new birth is a glorious thing but at the same time it is the it is the beginning of a very long journey so when the when the new birth occurs one of the things that happens the as the spirit is is raised is raised up you will now find that the the soul begins to be to be looked at in light of who the spirit man is. Praise God. And when, you, and when you check the soul, who the soul is, compared with who the spirit man is, there's a huge gap when a person gets born again. So the entire purpose of the Christian journey is to bridge the gap, to make your soul, your soul in terms of who you are, in your mind, your, your heart, your, your will, the depth of your person, your conscience, to bridge the gap between who that person is versus who the spirit man who just got what born again is. Praise the Lord. Now, now this oneness, uh, of course, here is talking about the ultimate unity. That's what they are striving for here. The ultimate unity is, of course, union with God Himself, which is um, the purpose why God created. God created beings who he can actually become one with. Right? And so, it's the purpose of his son, Jesus, or the, the son of God is an agent of unity. Um, in the book, in that book of um, 7 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, where he spoke about if anyone be in Christ is a new creation, all things are passed away. And then all things become new. And then all things are of God. Praise the Lord. That, that God, let's see that. Um, you see that the purpose of God bringing that, <coughs> bringing you into Christ is for what they, they call it the purpose of reconciliation. Right? Um, 2 Corinthians 5, let's see. From verse, from verse 17, praise God. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, that he... He is a new creature, that all things are passed away. Behold, all things are, are become new, and all things are of God, 
who had reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and had then what? Given to us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and had committed unto us what? The word of what? Of reconciliation. Then when, now then, we ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, right? We pray you in Christ's stead. Then be ye reconciled to what to God. So it's very clear that these guys who Paul was writing to were not unbelievers. You cannot preach the gospel of reconciliation to unbelievers. <coughs> Praise the Lord. The gospel of this reconciliation is actually the gospel of change. The epistle here is an epistle written to people who are already Christians, who are it's a church in Corinth. Then Paul was telling them, you actually should be reconciled to who? God. That's the purpose, right? Amen. So this um, reconciliation um, is trying to bring the soul into oneness with who God is. But first of all, not every soul can just be one with God. To be one with God, you must come, you must become of one. Do you get what I'm saying? It's to be one with God. God will not bring any kind of person and bring any kind of person to become one with him. Why? There are many reasons why. Number one is that a lot of times most people don't even want to be one with God. Like if you take an average Christian now, a prayer warrior, right? Not just anyhow Christian, a prayer warrior who who knows how to pray, who likes to pray. And, you, and they look at it, the heart of that prayer warrior. It's not a given that in that heart you will see the desire to be one with God. When you bring a giant minister of the gospel who is a great miracle worker, who lays his hand on the sick and the sick recover, who can cast out demons and can do many things by the power of God. But when heaven looks at the heart of a black person, there is no guarantee that there is a single desire in that heart to be one with God. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? And he's not doing those miracles by the power of the devil. He's doing it by the Holy Spirit. He's anointed. He was called. He was sent. Do you get what I'm trying to say? But it doesn't mean that there's anything in his heart that wants to be what? One with God. So getting a soul to... To desire the problem with being one with God is that is that souls are cling to many things. That when you see there is no soul who is just free like that, and the things that souls cling to are many different kinds of things. Souls can cling to bad things, things that are clearly bad. Souls can think, cling to things that seem good. For example, ministry going to win the souls of people, evangelism. How many of you know evangelism is not God? You, you know that? Winning the lost is not God. You can love winning the lost, but hate God. You can love ministry, but hate God. You can love praying, but hate God. Because when you say prayer, worry, there are many things about prayer. Right? There are many things that can make someone pray. Right? Someone can pray because they want something from God. 
That's the most basic reason someone, and that's the lowest reason to pray. Praise. And then someone can pray, not because I want anything material. I just want power. Yes, sir. Yes. Say, say power. Power. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> anyway, just so, so wiser guys. No, no, no. I just want what? When, when, I, when, I, when I come and say, in Jesus' name, everywhere she not just be dry like that. It's <laughs> You know, it's so can love that, and it's so can be going after it, fasting for one month straight, fasting. Oh, I pray overnight. Ah. He doesn't love God, but he, he loves something. But that thing he loves is harder to, to discern it when the, everybody sees such a soul. Wow, if I can only be like this guy, oh, how he prays! But when God looks at the heart, God knows that God, this guy doesn't love me doesn't love me. You know, there are, there are different things that come out from God now. God can give material things. God can also give other things too. God can give graces. He can give anointing. He can give wisdom. He can give all kinds of things. So when you begin to peel the layers of all the things that make men not want to be one with God and to love God, there are many. Praise the Lord. So it's not easy to, it's not easy to find souls. If you want to make souls angry, bring a, a message that is just pure God, not, no other thing attached. Just, you're just talking about Christ, God. So when they come to you today, you say Christ. <laughs> Tomorrow, they say, wow, Christ, what a beautiful, we've, le- we've left message of Christ a long time ago. This ought to be the message. And then you come, they come tomorrow, you say Christ again. <laughs> but you, you teach Christ, but another scripture, say, okay, let's see where this is going. Next tomorrow, Christ. They see you one year, Christ, then you're talking about God. Are you get what I'm saying? It's, so, it's not every kind of soul who can stay there listening to Christ, listening and going for Christ. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? It's uncommon. Men don't do that because... Men have other things which their heart flows to. You know, I love times when you want to do ministry, the way it is modern mostly in the world right now, you must add other things to it. Otherwise, you won't be seeing souls. You'll just be talking to yourself. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So, the, the journey to, for a soul to arise into the pure desire for being one with God um, is things must happen. First of all, God can see the soul coming from afar. The soul can't even see God. Most of the time, what the soul thinks God is is not what God is. Right? The soul might think, okay, who is God? God is one big invisible guy somewhere sitting on one invisible throne who wants everybody to repent and come to heaven. Lie. That's not who God is. So, to really understand God is, it has to be by revelation. Yes, God has to be, but God will not be revealing first. He has to look at the heart. So God has to first send somebody, praise the Lord, who, this person who, who is called the son of God or Jesus Christ, 
praise the Lord, who is the son of God. He's the, um, he's the person who first, he has the stature of the, the first stature, he has the stature of the crystals of God, or what you call the Christ of God. Right, that statue of the Christ is the, is the being, is the creature of God. Christ is the creature of God that can go to men's hearts where they are with their lovers and their idols and begin to negotiate with them by what gradually open, a gradual opening of the eyes. Gradual, you see that thing you love so much? Let me show you what that thing really is. What is it showing? It's showing the killing potential. That if we leave you with this thing, this is, it will plot out your future for you. It's taking you to, it's going to steal from you and steal from you and steal from you until there's no longer life what, in you. Such a revelation is a Christ revelation. Right? Which is the revelation of Christ giving against the world. And of course, we've learned what the world is. The world is the, the, the world is the, the, the is the, the world is the arsenal of lust and pride. And when you say lust and pride, it's a summation of all the things that souls fall in love with that makes them not love the Father. If any man loves the world, love the Father is not in him. These are the things that are in the world, the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of what? Of life. And all these things are passing away, praise the Lord. But they that do the will of God will what? Abide. Priest, are you getting what I'm trying to say? Amen. So now, the, the, the wisdom here is that everybody who will be, who will be one, has to first be come of one. And we're seeing here that those people who are of one are those who he calls brethren. That and the brethren, they are, who are the brethren of? They are actually brethren of. Jesus. Praise God. They are what? Brethren of who? They are brethren of Jesus. Now, I want to show you something. When Jesus in his, of course, you know that man called Jesus, when you see him right now, where he is, he's actually seated at the right hand of the Father and is seated there not, as, not just as the Christ of God, he is actually seated there as God. Right? And he wasn't God when he was a baby in the cradle. Right? What made him a God is that when you check his soul, who he is, in other words, what's his soul? When, how, does he, how will he judge? What does he will to do? What does he love to do? Do you get what I'm trying to say? When he was two years old, three years old, he didn't have any, knew anything concerning the will of God. Like my little one-year-old daughter, the, she's very, very limited. Jesus was like that. He wasn't a superman that has, no. He grew. Check the book of Luke. It's all about how he grew. He worked strong, but not just in the natural. He also worked strong in the spirit. It means he was also growing in his soul. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Praise the Lord. He grew at, at a point in Hebrews chapter 1. The, now, the father addressed him. As, oh God, now thy throne, oh God, is forever. And when he bring it in the first begotten, say, let all the angels worship him. And the reason why they worship him is because he had obtained a more excellent name 
That word obtained means he didn't always have the name. He obtained the name. Therefore, God had highly exalted him, Philippians chapter 2, and given him a name. means that if they gave him a name and exalted him, where did they exalt him from? It means that where they brought him from, he didn't have the name yet. Praise the Lord. So he was exalted back into a place where he came into that oneness with God. First with his father. He said, I am my father, we are one. I'm very sure he couldn't say that at the age of 10, 12. Because of what makes him one is that my father showed me the things which he himself doeth. The son doeth nothing of himself, but what he sees his father doeth. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that thing called oneness is something that is not a, it's not a title that is stamped on him. Jesus of Nazareth, you are a God. Why is crying in the, in the manger? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's not by stamping. That's, this is the veil about Christianity. This is the big veil. Satan put this mighty veil on Christianity. I would just focus on, oh, I'm born again. Oh, Jesus did this on the cross. He did that. Therefore, therefore, I have a right to all these things. I'm going to heaven. No, no, no. You missed the whole point of the whole thing. Is that in that conversation, you don't have space for, okay, who are you really? Like, if I begin to talk with you now, what are your loves? What are your passions? What are your meditations? What do you think about? What matters to you? Are you getting what I'm saying? <laughs> so God is not a God is not a it's not an idea. God is a person. There are things he cannot do. There are things he loves. There are things he hates. The idea of a Christian that the scripture, the New Testament is trying to raise, is not an idea. Oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, how are you a Christian? I just, I confess and I believe, therefore I'm a, I'm a Christian. I, I'm one with God. Do you know this is why, and this is why the world laughs at us, and <laughs> praise the Lord. This is why the world laughs at us. This is why. Amen. Amen. This is why Christianity can easily be ridiculed. Yeah. Do you know why it can easily be ridiculed? It's because you just need to, to just think a little. Just think a little. <laughs> because Christianity is special. You know why it's special? Because no other religion claims the things we claim. We claim crazy things, stupid things. That's why Muslims, they, they, those ones, they, know, they say, we know our level low. We are not, even Muhammad is not a son of God, anything. He <laughs> didn't, didn't rise up from the dead. He didn't, they don't claim anything crazy. <laughs> All the other religions, too. They don't claim, but Christianity, it's just, even just the basic. Amen.
the basic proposition of it. The idea of it is it begins with craziness. And there's this guy who rose from the dead. And he's actually God who is actually everything is crazy about Christianity. You know what I'm saying? That's why in when you come into this age where people are the post-religious age, everybody is using their mind to think now. When they look at you a Christian, they just wonder what is wrong with you. So you mean you believe all these things? Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So that, that's why, so they, so they can and, and they look at us and say, you believe all these things, but we are the ones who are foolish, eh? Because we divorce who we are from what we claim to believe. But the world, the average person who's not a Christian in the world, comes and looks at you. So you're telling me as you are right now, you are one with, with Christ, Jesus. So, then they'll say, okay, okay, so you mean that as you are right now, you are a child of God, that God is your father. Are you getting what I'm saying? And then when they look at you, they know that he's your co-worker. He knows that the job is your life. The same, the same job that is his life. You know what I mean? He knows it's your own life too. But you are claiming you are better than him just because you, because you go to church and because you, you pray the prayer and all that. It doesn't add, no, nah, no, nah, there's something fishy here, man. So, so there's a way we can think that the unbelievers are foolish. Well, sometimes, well, of course they are foolish. Of course. But, but my point is that most of the time we are more foolish than them. Because it says that the, the children of this world be in their generation even wiser. Yeah. The foolishness is that we don't, we've divorced the transformation. We believe it. We confess it and assume it's it. We forget the, just a, a little detail, which is not a detail, which is a detail which they wrote an entire New Testament concerning. Which is, this thing you confess and believe, how can you become it? So, Christians, we've, we've left becoming a long time ago. Rather, you get born again. Oh, it's time. Let's go win the nations. Let's go. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? And the people you're going to win, they know that you are in most things, you are worse than them. The only difference between you and them is that you go to church and you pray and you believe. But that's not how it ought to be. Are you getting more? Am I saying something today? So Jesus right now, who is seated at the right hand of God, what I'm telling you is that He's not sitting there by a title. He's not sitting there because Joseph was his father and Mary was his mother. He's not sitting there because David was his father. Are you getting what I'm saying? Jesus, he, he sat, say, say by inheritance.
being made so much better than the angels. Hebrews chapter 1, am I correct? It's not that God just did mago mago because you are my son. So all these angels are better than you, but you can be anything. I will just bring you to the throne. No, he said, be made. He was made. Say made. Made. Throughout his life, 30 years. Being made. They must make it. They can't do a juro now. When, if they bring Jesus up, I say, God say, okay, I brought my son who will sit on the throne. Praise the Lord. And then when they open, check the son, and they say, what are all the things inside his heart? What is he specializing in doing? What does he know? You'll be seeing how to make chair, how to make table, carpentry, the economics of carpentry. The, the business aspect of it, how to flow in the marketplace, carpentry. <laughs> I say, okay, these are all that he knows. He doesn't know anything. Okay, they want, they want to bring him to the throne. He say, Jesus, what is, the, what is throne? <laughs> Jesus. And then he will say, he will say, throne is a kind of chair. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God is not a joker. God is not a non-entity. He's not a stupid fellow. God is a serious being. He's a serious entity. We are the ones who have turned Christianity to a joke. Because we took Christianity and we are bent on our lusts and our pride. We are bent on doing our own thing. When men give their lives for the gospel, for Christ, we, we want to use the gospel to keep our life. The gospel has become a tool you use to get your lusts. I want this now. I confess it. I believe it. I claim it. I have it now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> and that, that thing you are confessing, you are claiming, and then your unbeliever has it already. He had it. Since. He didn't need to claim for it. He didn't need to confess for it. And then he's watching you confessing, claiming all, all of that, those things. <laughs> And he said, wait, if you can just tell you, wait, wait, wait. Let me just tell you how to get this thing. Say, no, by faith, the Lord has believed I will have this. In the... That's the way we are. You get what I'm trying to say? So we want to take the gospel of Christ to achieve what the world, the things the world goes after, what the, their lusts and their pride. We have tried, we've turned the gospel into a means to achieve those things. But, but the gospel is not meant for those things. Even though, even though the gospel can give you riches, it can give wealth, but the gospel will never give you wealth the way the world can give, make a man wealthy. 
Do you know why? Because that is not its purpose for it. That's not the purpose for the gospel. Rather, the, 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 the world will give you, the gospel will give you what you need, and then it will tell you, okay, this is enough. Now, I give you this little. Now, there's something you need to learn. It's called godliness with contentment. Yes. What things soever you have, be content with it. And then after a while, the gospel will say, okay, we don't want to give you any more now. We actually want you not to have. Mm-hmm. So, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah, that's actually, it's actually another cause. Mm-hmm. It's another part of the cause. It's, it's something called knowing how to abase. It's actually a school also in the, in the New Testament. We don't like that school. We don't like that aspect. What do you mean abase? My God is a... My God shall supply all my needs. Then we don't, according to his riches in glory. <laughs> we, don't, we don't take time to really think about it. According to his riches. Okay, what is this? If my need is a car. His riches in glory. Is that car there? The scripture is not a book of, it's a book of spiritual blessing. Yes, sir. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, when so, someone who is blessed spiritually, can he, can that blessing make natural things available to him? Of course. But those are not his blessings. Do you, do you get the difference? Yes. See, a house is not a blessing. Yes. A car. Now I'm talking about to you. You say, oh, what do you mean? Wasn't Abraham blessed with cattle and rams and all of that? You know, most of those, most of those things we talk about. Have you, ever, have, you ever, have you ever wondered that it's always Old Testament? Yes. <laughs> have you ever caught to you that it's always Old Testament? Now, why wasn't John the beloved blessed with cattle and rams? <laughs> Have you never asked yourself that? <laughs> what about Saul? So, what was he blessed with? <laughs> Shipwreck. <laughs> Affliction. Chains. Bonds. Prison. <laughs> what about Jesus himself? He had riches of whips and cross. Are you getting what I'm trying to tell you? But, they were, but were they hungry? Were they, were they hungry, destitute? 
all the time? No, of course not. Of course not. They weren't because God is not. It's not. You see, those things mean nothing to God. Do you really think it's hard for God to give you all the money in the world? You think it's really hard for God to say all the all evil doers and unbelievers no more money from today? <laughs> all the Christians <laughs> give you. You really think it's hard for God to do? Is it hard? Is it hard for God? You think so? You think it's hard? He said, the cattle on the thousand hills are mine. If I was hungry, I would not tell you. The being who created everything. So, when God, so it's very clear that the Old Testament was not a, a season of blessing. The kind of blessing that Old Testament guys are blessed with cattle around, those are the things you bless dead men with. What you bless the dead with is not what you bless the living with. Because you cannot give the dead spiritual blessing. They don't have the facility for spiritual blessing. So you have to use natural things to teach them about, your, about, your, about yourself. You have to introduce the concept of your blessedness to them and your benevolence to them based on what they can receive. But then, when, you've, when you come to the arena of people who have been raised from the dead, that what opens you up to another dimension of blessing. The real thing called blessing. What are the real things called blessing? It's very, very simple. It's very simple. What is God blessed with? Blessed be God and our Father who has blessed us. Ephesians chapter 1. Of course, he's blessing us because he's blessed. So it's very clear that what he's blessing you with is not different from what he is blessed with. Because he is blessed, that's why he's blessing you. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. So all the New Testament is all about is just about how to bless people who have been raised from the dead, who are spiritual, with spiritual things. That's all. So because they are living on the earth, so from time to time they will need some natural things, but he can provide those natural things. But those, are, those things are not blessings to them. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So Jesus, where he is right now, at the right hand, what makes him sit there is because of the stature he came up to. Before he was, when he was close to going to the cross, he said most of his conversation, that three and a half years or so, right, were conversation at his mature state. At the point where he has known his father, he's already one with his father. So whatever his father do, I see what he does. He has come to a great height in the spirit. Judgment, spiritual judgment. He thinks like his father. He doesn't think like men. So such a being, when they brought him up and God said, okay, this is my son. When he's reaching there, all the spirits in heaven, he's not a title. Ah, that's his firstborn, though. don't near him, don't touch him. No, 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 no. So when he was bringing him, he said, oh, let all the angels worship him. They were seeing a, a type, a species. They, they were seeing a, they were seeing things in him, glory. You know what's glorious to angels, you know what's glorious to you? Have all the wealth in the world. You cannot tempt the most little angel. They have no use for it. Yes. 
all the money in the world and everything in the world, all the status. Go and bring one angel. Say, oh, we are going to make you the president of the world. You say, what is the meaning of that? <laughs> you get what I'm trying to say. But, but in, the end, in the realm of the spirit, there are things that, because they are awake to spiritual blessing. They know. When they, they, when they look at two people, an angel can determine who is better, who, are, who, who weighs more. But he doesn't do it based on how shining their wristwatches or anything. There's a way the spirits are tuned to look at the within of men. The, the balance men, judgment. What I, when they check this one's thought, they weigh him. Some of, some, some of us, when they put you on the scale in the spirit. Praise God. When they put us on the scale and they look at the reading, the reading doesn't move. If they, if some of us, when they take hundred of you. That will not be you in Jesus' name. <laughs> like the preacher. The preacher that God anointed to. He said, this is this task. This is my task. To search out all that is done in all the all the things men are doing. I'm good. I'm going to search them out. And then at the end say, here the conclusion of the whole matter. This is after he has had all the kinds of women, different shades, different shape, different complexion, everything, money, fame. Looked, he has used his soul to search out everything. And I say, okay, come on here, the conclusion of the matter. That what all is what? Vanity upon what? Vanity. Oh, he called it them vexation of spirit. After a while, what vexes spirit is that when you heap and heap, nothing, there is nothing there that the soul that can satisfy or can enrich the soul. So a Christian can be born again, and if he doesn't grow, if he doesn't receive spiritual blessing, you will be born again and be, be lighter than a leaf in the spirit. Because when they check inside your, the mind, you see shirt, shoe, house, wife, children, money, car, office, what else? You see all the things that, are you getting what I'm saying? But when they're looking, okay, can you find one thought in them that God thinks? You can't find the thoughts of God. So we have raised ministries and all kinds of, that can bless people with things, but cannot bless people with God. This is what church is also be, you take a soul, load them with God. Load them with God. Load them with God. Judgment. Like Jesus grew in judgment. People who had money were looking for him. The rich young ruler came and said, Hi. He said, He's a good master, right? What will I do? Imagine such a guy, rich, young, and is a ruler. Means he had power, he had fame. What else did he have? He had physical strength. If he's if he's rich and young, at that young age, possible he could get any woman he wants with his status. You get what I'm saying? So it means so he's a young Jewish guy who has everything, and it's very clear he was learned. 
and he was not just learned, he was also religious. Based on his reply to Jesus. But then he looked at Jesus, someone who didn't, most likely didn't go to school or anything, but ah, there's something about this guy. Oh. They were probably around the same age, right? Yes. But he looks at himself with all his money and everything and all this. Then he looks at Jesus. Something about you, Jesus. Because all was about him. Like when all the multitude ran away and then the disciples, he asked them, why are you still here? He said, where will we go to? Only you have the words of eternal life. Only you have the words of eternal life. Life. So it means that Jesus was an epitome of life. Life. What life? What is life? What, what his father has, has put. As the father had life in himself, so had he given to the son. It's not, it's not as the father had money in it. No, no. Are you, are you getting Jesus? Go and read Jesus. John. Talk, see what Jesus was saying. What about his father did he have? Life. As he had life in himself. So has he given, has he given the son also to have life in himself? But when you tell the, tell the Christian now, what is now life in himself? What does that mean? Does the Christian even know, an average Christian? What does the mean of that? He had life in himself. You say, I ah, not to be born again. <laughs> That's the average Christian thinking. I'm born again, so I have life in myself. Then you ask, okay, why do you live like an unbeliever? Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So Jesus, as he seated with the Father, he seated there because of what, who he, what, who he is. Who he is. That is the function of what he knows. His judgments. Righteousnesses that came by understanding. By what? Revelation. Spiritual understanding. In that Ephesians prayer, I love that prayer, of course, Ephesians chapter 1, right? Paul was writing to the Ephesian church. Amen. Amen. Therefore, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom, sorry, not that one. I want the first one. After I've heard of your faith, that's the chapter 1, of your faith and your love towards the saints, I never cease to pray for you. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Then the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That he will know what is the hope of his calling. Then what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance? And what is the exceeding greatness? Now, how many Christians know what those things are? So you're talking about the prayer. This is a prayer that an apostle prayed for a church. Now if they say, hey, come and pray for the church, now what are we going to say? This church, oh, we need a new land because the current, the, our current meeting place is too small. So the greatest need right now is to 
the Lord just bring something, a new piece of land for us. We need to change the sound system. These are the needs for the church. Do you know the funny thing? You know the funny thing? You didn't even pray for new members for them. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, will grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Then the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Are you, are you seeing what I'm trying? Are you seeing? So all, everything is prayer are the things which no, the world can never have. An unbeliever can never have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. In, we, you say, ah, oh, but oh, they are wise. Hey, they are wise. Not in the knowledge of him. So, wow, what a very nice, wise brother. That brother is so wise. The wisest Christian I know. Why? Because he knows where to invest in the stock market to bring money. Very wise brother. Oh, he oppressed with the wisdom of the Spirit. So what we call wisdom. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? But I bet, no matter how wise he is, there are stout unbelievers who don't even believe that God exists who have better wisdom than he does. Yes. Those are not the things that God gives. So the wisdom that God wants to make the church is in the knowledge of him, no matter how hard. gets the sharpest mind in Silicon Valley. The brightest one, the hottest mind. Give them a thousand years. Tell them, grow in the knowledge of him. They will know everything. They will never know him. Are you, are you seeing the treasure of the church? It's a spiritual treasure. The eye of your understanding being enlightened that you might know what is the hope of his calling. Are you seeing hope of his calling? That you might know. It means that the hope of his calling. It means that when they got born again, they didn't know it. Right? Even what made him right to them was because I've heard of your faith and your so they had faith, they had love for the saints, but they didn't know the hope of his calling. So it's very, very clear that someone, someone who gets born again on the first day doesn't mean you know the hope of his calling. You can become a prayer warrior. In that church, I'm sure they had prayer warriors. I'm sure they had probably all kinds of, they had a pastor, they had probably deacons, they had young adult leader, they had all the offices in the church, but they were without the hope of his calling. You can know those, have those things, but that thing called the hope of his calling. You're talking about a spiritual calling. That what a God called his creatures into that you must have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him to know what is the hope of what. And then to know what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the sense. Praise the Lord. So that, that riches of the glory of his inheritance, 
that inheritance, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That inheritance is the same inheritance which Jesus had. When in Hebrews chapter 1, he said, he had by, for he had by inheritance. Be made so much better than in the, he has by inheritance obtained a more. So the inheritance, when you talk about inheritance for the soul, it's not something that my your father said, take, I dash you. Inheritance for his soul is talking about the, by the development into his status to inherit, to receive on your inside. Praise the Lord. Are we blessed today? Yes. So the journey of making us one with God, there's first a point where you have to become of one before to become of one is that word one is Jesus. Right? So there is a place where his soul becomes of him. There's a realm where his soul becomes of him. Now, when you, there's a realm where beyond that realm, to move beyond that realm, so okay, we are now of him, praise God, then to move beyond that realm, you can no longer just be of him, you must be one with him. Now, what I mean is this, so Jesus, like I said before, he had a Christ stature in him. Christ is that creature, the new creation of God. He became the son of God. Right? Then, according to Hebrews chapter 1, he actually became God. Your throne, oh God, is forever. And ever. And the scepter of righteousness of your kingdom is a scepter of righteousness. Then, then, then they now, he now said the reason why. Right. He said that it's not just because I like you, I'm, I'm calling you God. Because if I did that, all the angels would cry, ah, God has sinned. <laughs> right? What is the sin? That God has, what he casted out Satan from heaven, away from, he has brought the same thing by himself. In other words, what, what did he bring? He, he cancelled him because of the variance of nature. The variation of nature. You can't, you can't stay here. So you won't bring somebody who doesn't have his own nature and say, because this one is my son of partiality, come and sit. It would be a sin. God would have sinned. So the point where he said, your throne, O God, is forever. The scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. And I said, why? It's because for you loved righteousness. So let's assume Jesus did not learn to love righteousness. You think there's one day God will, God will now say, my throne. Uh, for you love righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God anointed you with the oil of gladness. What? Above your fellows. For anointed you with the oil of gladness. Above what? Your, above your fellows. So if he didn't love righteousness, if he didn't love righteousness and hate wickedness, Jesus will not ascend to the throne 
of God. Before that point, that's why he called him God, right? At that point. Before then, he has spoken to him as his son, about him as his son in Jordan and the mountain of transfiguration. When he appeared in Jordan, that's when the heaven opened and the spirit came on him and he announced him. And he said, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved son whom I just like because he's my son. He didn't say, this is my beloved son who came from me because he came from heaven. That's what makes him my son. So just, I just want you to know that this is my son who came from heaven. Do you get what I'm saying? God waited. He didn't announce him until he was 30. He had been growing until he was 30 years old. Then heaven opened and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Are you getting what I'm saying? So it means that Jesus' journey into sonship and to the throne has a lot to do with his, what he did in his soul, in whom I am well pleased. That well pleased, of course, is not new birth, right? So the fact that you're born again doesn't mean that you are well pleasing to God. You can be born again, but your whole life, everything about you is offensive to God every day. It doesn't mean you are now a devil. You are still born again. And, if, and, and very likely, if the trumpet sounds, you can go to heaven. Yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you seeing the standard? So check it. If you just really read, it, read the New Testament very well. Listen, it's very, very, it's there. But it's because, you know, when you are reading something and you have lust inside of you, you won't see what they are saying. You'll be seeing, you'll be reading everything according to your lust. But when you can put your lust aside and your pride, in other words, what you want from God, put it aside. Right? What you feel God can give you, put them aside and just come and look at them. But you will not see that everything about the New Testament is just talking about how men can be raised to meet the standard that God has set for men. Standard for righteousness, like Jesus met. Standard for the pleasure and for the word, the pleasing of God. This is very established. We are going back to establish the fundamentals again today. It's like the Lord wants us to do that before we climb a bit further. Praise the Lord. Now, so, he that sanctified, verse 11, <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 2. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of what? They are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to be called brethren. So at this place, Jesus has brethren here. There is a point where he no longer has brethren. When you look at the journey towards God. There's a point where Jesus has brethren. Right? There is a, a realm he will move into that you say, in this realm, I don't have brethren. We don't have brethren here. The only relationship in this realm is marriage. Do you get what I'm saying? The only relationship that exists on the throne is marriage. There is no brotherhood when in the throne of God.
Do you get, are you getting it? Yes, so, so, so it's very clear the, the most holy place, the relationship of the most holy place, the most holy dimension is not a place of relationship of brotherhood. It's a place of unity. When you come now into the holy place, is where you find the relationship of brotherhood. It's very, very made clear by the priesthood, the way God arranged the priesthood, how he told Moses to arrange the priesthood. Now, when you get into outside the holy place, praise the Lord, you can see like um, a tribe there, a whole tribe of Levites. They own the, out the courts, the Levites. But you see all those tribe of Levi, they can't all come into the holy place. Right? Different families in the tribe of Levi. They can all stay in the court. Now, of course, the average Israelite cannot come into the outer the courts. You must, you must be a Levi to come into the courts. But he now said that when you are toward the holy place, everybody who must come there must be brethren. That the holy place is a place of brethren. So take one house, the house of Aaron. All the children in that house who are brothers can stay in the that place, that holy place is what you call the sanctuary. Right? It's called the sanctuary. The sanctuary is the holy place. So it's a place. So you see in the sanctuary, him that's sanctified and they that are sanctified are all of one. Wherefore, he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So the realm of the sanctuary is where brethren are being sanctified by their captain or by their senior brother, who is also their brother in that realm. Do you, do you get what I'm trying to say? Is this very clear to you? Now, so after sanctification, then this brother will now say, okay, it's on that, it's on that level, it's on that place we are going to. But that... The place we are going to now, if our relationship is just brethren, we can't cross yeah. over. We cannot cross over. Like the most holy, where the Lord told Moses that only one person must go there. Mm. Only Aaron. It's a realm of oneness. Right? The most holy realm is a realm of oneness. It doesn't, it doesn't permit variation yeah. of nature. Now, in brotherhood, there is less variation, but there is still variation. Like when you go up into the tribe, there is more variation among the tribes. When you come into the sanctuary, among the brethren, there's less variation, but there is still what? There is still variation. But all the, the thing with bre brothers, brethren, say brothers. brothers. What makes people brethren is that, is that, amen. Are we, are we blessed today? Yes. Are, you, are, your, are your spiritual senses open up to receive what you're saying? Uh -huh. Praise God. Amen. Now, of course, everybody who's listening to me, you know that I'm talking about the soul, right? Yes, sir. Your soul. Mm hmm. So when I say holy place, I mean your soul coming into 
the inward environment of the holy place. What the holy place represents in the Old Testament is actually a type of, of an operation that souls should go into. The actual thing is actually something that should apply to a New Testament soul who is on his journey to perfection in God. Praise the Lord. So, what I'm just trying to say is that at this, at this place, you're looking at two realms. The realm of oneness and then the realm before the realm of oneness. Now, of course, there are many souls who is journeying to that place. It's coming from a very, very, very far place. Very, very, it's actually coming from the grave. Right? From a very far place. So, that was God born again. At the state of being born again, it's a scattered soul. Right? It's not even, it's not even named yet. As, but they are bringing, but I was talking about this, this dimension, because by God's grace, we have journeyed into this place of seeing that you see a soul that is here is a soul that is, you are, you are actually, you are just before the, the, the ultimate realm. You are before the ultimate realm. Realm before the ultimate realm is a realm where everyone in that realm are not one. They are not one, but also they are not far away from one. Right. They are not one, but all of them are of one. In the outer court, they are not all of one. Because when you check this one, hey, come here. Who is your father? You say, my father is whatever one Jewish name. Then the other one, who is your father? Another Jewish name. So you can find people who, you are of this man, you are of the other man. You are not of one, but you are in the realm of the outer court. Right, because in the tribe of Levi, there are different families in Levi. So all the Levites are not of one. But for the abode of the sanctuary, they must all be of one. In other words, every person who is a priest of the sanctuary, they have the same father. Who is their father? Aaron is their father. So that's the meaning of one. All. So because they are all of one, let's read it again. Verse 11. <coughs> See, for both he that sanctified and they who are sanctified are all of one. Because of that, he's not ashamed to call them brethren. So it's very clear that brethren are people who are what? Of one. Who are of one. So the purpose of Christ is to make men of one. The purpose of Christ is to do what? Make men of one. When someone says, oh, I've just been conformed to the image of Christ, how they will check, have you been conformed to the image of Christ really? How they will check is, are you what? Of, of one. So the image of Christ is the, is the preparatory image for the image of God. Do you, do you see that? The image of Christ is a preparatory word, image, for what? For the image of God. Yeah.
the image of Christ is not the highest image that the soul should inherit. But it is the first image that the soul should have. Am I making sense to you? Praise the Lord. We're talking about deep things, eh? Proximity to God. Proximity. We're talking about closeness. How do you measure closeness? It's not, Lord, I love you. I love you. You know the problem with that one is that you can feel very close in one second. And the next minute, when the storm, when the song ends, you feel like a like a sinner. Then when the song starts again, after a while, wow, I just feel so close to you. I just feel close to God. Oh, God, I just love you. I, just, I feel so close to you. I desire nothing but you. You are my only love. You are my everything. Maybe when you are under an anointed service. Oh, I just love you, Jesus. <laughs> But <laughs> after the music ends, amen, after the music ends, and then it's time to go home and then open your fridge and bring out, warm your stew and to warm your food. At that moment, that feeling, you don't feel, to, so closeness to God is not a feeling. Worship cannot take you close to God. I mean worship songs cannot take you close to God. Closeness to God is not in the faculty of your feeling. That's not where proximity to God is. The thing of feeling is, an, is a tool to help your heart to, to be conditioned, to receive properties that Translate, I can raise you into proximity to God. It's very clear, closeness to God is measured in two ways, according to the prophet, ways and thoughts. Right? God's, God's headache is not that you don't always feel like, I don't like how you feel sometimes. Sometimes you feel like frying a car instead of, instead of feeling like, instead of feeling like worshiping. God said, no, I don't like that. I always feel close to me. No, no, that's not God's problem. problem. To be honest with you, that's not God's problem. No, it's not. That's not where it is. See, God is a serious fellow. He's a real person. Are you getting So you don't go, when they want to give you your degree as an, you're not an engineer. There's not a feeling with how would you, how well, how much of an engineer do you feel like? Do you feel like an engineer? See, I just have the feeling of an engineer. Every time I just have a, have a music that I play that makes me, it brings me into the engineering, the, the presence of engineering over me. 
I say, yeah, that's the feeling. <laughs> Here's your certificate. Then they will not bring you to, you know where they make planes, right? Boeing 747. Bring this guy, hey, all of you go and sit down. This guy is a, a new engineer in town. Hey, produce the next plane. You didn't learn anything, no. You just broke into the feeling. Praise the Lord. But why do we feel like, when it comes to God, we feel like we can do that. You don't know anything. You've never learned anything before. When they are preaching, you are always sleeping. You've never learned anything. <laughs> why? Because we don't think, we think, we think God is not a serious fellow, right? You think it's all, it's all a joke? The maker of the universe. You think that as a Christian, there are not things that you have to know about him? You, don't, you feel that closeness to God is not, doesn't have things to it, definite materials, things that you have to know concerning him. When everything that you study, he made them. Someone will be studying an ant and be a PhD of an ant and have a PA doctorate on it. And that's just one of the tiniest creatures of God. How much more the being who made them. So... Wow, this guy is, he knows wow. God, he's close to God. It's not by that he prays the Lord. It's no. It's no. It's not that. There has to be a download, a spiritual revelation of the nature of God in the soul. Is the knowledge of Him. That when you say knowledge, that they are packaging two things, his way and his thought. Those are the two things. My way are not your way. That, he said, that's my own problem. My problem is that you don't go, it's not, it's not that you don't attend church, it's not that you don't like praying, it's not that you don't like, you don't like doing evangelism or listening to Christian music. That's not my problem with you. Right. The problem is that my way are not your way. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As far as the heaven is from the earth, after doing all your Christian religious activity, as far as the heaven are from the earth, that's how my way is from your way and my thoughts are from your thoughts. You know what? Our thoughts don't, don't, by mistake, clash. When I'm thinking this, you are thinking that. So we've, we've, we've separated way and thought. We put it, we threw it away in Christianity. Rather, we brought in singing, worshipping, giving, building, everything else. 
but the sheer fact, the sheer devotion of the transformation of a man's will to align with the will of God. How? By the progressive entrance of revelation, the giving of light, understanding, which is what Paul prayed for. Even when we now want to teach, we teach everything but God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Glory to your name. So, there will be a point where a soul first has to become of him. Right, of, or of one. Then after that realm, the, the realm where you talk about being one, like Jesus spoke about when he said, I am my father, we are one. Jesus wasn't speaking as a Christ. He was speaking as the son of God. Are you seeing the difference? So sonship are in, are in levels. Sonship are in levels. There's a point where a father and a son can become one. There's a point where the son is just lower than that oneness. He's of his father. But they're not one yet. I don't know if you get the difference between what I'm saying. When you look at it in the natural, of course, anything that they reduce into the natural it's not exact, yes, but it's an effort to try and, to try and um, emulate or to play out the reality in the spirit. Right? So it, when someone gives birth to a child, you can say that this child is of the father. He's of the father. He's of that man. She's of that man. In the sense that they, are of, they came from them, but they're probably still undergoing training. But this, the time when his son, you can see the son is one with his father, is when he has come into all the inheritance. Of course, inheritance, not his father's money. The inheritance of everything that the father has to teach the son. Right? When the, what the purpose of fatherhood is the pouring of yourself. Keep pouring yourself. What is the standard? Pour, you have a son. That son, you have not finished your work on the son until the son rises up to become a father. That's the, the, the goal of a father, is to raise the son to become a father. When the son has become a father, he's still a son, but now he's a father too. They have become the same. Do you see the difference here? Do you see the difference here? So, so Christ is also, Jesus Christ is also a son of God. 
is the son of God as well. But not in the same way that the everlasting son is a son of God. Do you see that? The everlasting son, the school of Christ is not the same school of the everlasting son. The everlasting son is in a school. The school of Christ is in a school of brotherhood. The everlasting son is in a school of oneness. The school of marriage. So, what we call everlasting life, do you see what we call everlasting life? Is the school, is the doctrine, the doctrine of everlasting life is the doctrine that, that can make a soul one with God. Do you see that? That's the journey. Everlasting life is the, is the, is the learning of everlasting life. Is the, is the, the coming into, is the school that makes a soul one with God. The, the school of Christ is the school that makes a soul of God. Christ is the man of God. God and his Christ. Christ is the man of God. The man of God. It's the man of God. That's Christ. Or they call him the godly man. Praise the Lord. In Hebrews chapter one, let's let's just open, let's move this somewhere into something. <clears throat> Father, we thank you. Bless you. Hebrews chapter one, let's let's read that um, verse one. It says, God who has sundry times and in diverse manners in and in diverse manners speak in time past unto the fathers by the prophets has in this last day spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of what is first. It's very clear that the express image of the person of God is not Christ. Christ is an image of God too. But Christ is not the express image of God. The express image of God is the Son of God. Not just any Son, but actually the everlasting Son, or who Isaiah chapter 9 called everlasting Father, too. Who is not just everlasting, who is also eternal. So, right. so really, he has an eternal nature, but when it comes to his speaking, he stands in an everlasting place to release the doctrine of his father. Praise the Lord. So, um, as in this last day spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, by whom also he made the walls, and who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins and sat down on the right hand of what? The majesty on high, 
being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he said, Let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels he saith, Who maketh his angels spirits, and ministers of flame of fire. But to the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the word oil of gladness above thy fellows. Praise God. Now, <clears throat> this thing, this thing called the throne, what he calls thy throne, he said, thy throne, O God. Now, one thing about the throne of God is that only a God can sit on the throne of God. Right? When I'm talking about a God now, I'm, I'm talking more, now you understand about this thing called God, right? When you, whenever you hear God, don't just always think about that God in heaven, the creator of everything. Praise the Lord, or God the Father. Think about God as a... Think, still think about that being, but don't think about just him. Think about what is inside him that makes him God. Yes. Do you get the difference? Yes. In terms of his laws, yes, his way of thinking... His judgment, what he loves, his will, his standard. Are you seeing those things? Now, him being God, that one, you can never be that. In other words, maybe remove him and then they bring you. That's not what we're talking about. See, praise. <laughs> Amen. So, are you getting, are you getting what I'm saying? But in New, when they're talking about God in New Testament, you know, that is a very mighty word, right? People shy away from it. You don't, ah, God, do anything, ah, it's me, I'm here, God is there. But the God I'm talking about there, he has told you that, look, you see, what, every, what I know is what you ought to know. I, you, also, you should be holy the way I'm holy. The standard of how you ought to be holy, it's not a standard of how, how holy someone from your village can be or how holy someone from your lineage has ever been. The standard of, of holiness is as I am holy. That's, my, that's the standard. The standard of judgment is how I judge my own judgment. That is what makes Christianity awesome. That is the beautiful story of the love of God. That, that's, the, that's the awesomeness of Christianity. That's what makes it a crazy th thing. Is that a God looking at a creature, that's what they call the hope of his calling. That it, to, make it, to say, what I know, I want you to know it. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? That the same laws that I have, is I want you to know. That is the, is the impossibility. But then that is what sets God apart. And then God did it. He proved it by a man. Sending a man like you to the earth who took on your flesh, who took on everything that you took on. He came, humbled himself unto death, the same thing. See, because the children were partakers of flesh and blood, Hebrews chapter 2, he also took part of what, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. 
and then deliver those who all their lifetime have through the fear of death have been subject to what? To bondage. So to all, means all the things that are arrayed against man that stops man from rising up into that glorious expectation of God. Jesus came and took on man's limitation and exposed himself to the resources of God that can raise a man beyond the limitations of a man. That's the beautiful story of Christianity. Christianity, Christianity is that this whole thing about that we are doing is, is, is talking, is the, the point of it is how can a man move beyond the conversation of a natural man? How can they bring a life foreign? It's not, it's not the life of Adam. It's not the life that man has lived. God, God has said, okay, we want to create another life first, higher than the life that men have ever lived, called Christ, to give him as an, a stepping stone. To come into my own life. The life I have is what I want to give. Like Jesus said, as the Father had life in himself, so has he given the Son. Are you, are you seeing the transaction we're talking about here? This is the thing. But it's just that we as men, right? This, a lot of times it's because of fear. What's the fear? The fear is that, ah, man, you can't see how it will happen. So, well, you can't, you can't see how it will happen, so you won't preach it. But you can, in your mind, plot how someone can become the wealthiest man in his profession. Say, okay, then that's what God wants for you. Because it's a natural thing, you can conceptualize it. Oh, he will, from, from this job, he will get the other one. From there, he will do this thing and do that, and then he will get promoted here, and all this will happen. You can plot it from your mind. But when it comes to things your mind cannot plot, how can it so pick the conversation of God? We shy away from such things. In other words, we, we shy away from, let's remove everything else we are teaching. And let us, let's now try and teach what Paul was teaching. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Okay, let's take what Paul was teaching, take what John was teaching, take what Peter taught. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Like Peter was teaching about the divine nature. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. According to what? Through the, the knowledge of God. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's the message that was in the mouth of this man. That was their message. His divine power. I say divine power. divine power. How many times do you hear about divine power? Divine power. Divine power. Divine power. According as his divine power has given unto us. What, what does that thing called divine power give? Is it school fees for your children? His divine power has given to us things that pertain to life and godliness. Are you seeing what the, it gives? Yeah. So the purpose of the divine power is to give things that pertain to life and to what? Yes. To godliness. Yes. 
Praise the Lord. John's own conversation, that which we have heard, which we have, which we have seen, which our eyes have looked upon, our hand have handled of the word of life. That's John's own episode. That's how he started the whole thing. Right? But the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and then declare unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. And that which we have seen, therefore declare we unto you that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father. How did our Christianity run away from all these things? The, the messages we preach, where do we get them from? These men didn't preach that. They were preaching about something else. That you may have fellowship with us. Truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. When you talk about the supernatural, the supernatural, the supernatural, is these things. You see the one that is so hard, you can't even think of it. Where do you even begin to think about it, what we are talking about? Like Paul said, he said, I had not seen, nor ear heard, neither has he entered, that's First Corinthians chapter 2, neither has he entered the heart of any man, what God has prepared for them that love him. Is it a house or a car? Is it, is it a car that I have not seen or ear heard? <laughs> what profession can you be in this world that I have not seen nor ear heard? Not just that. Neither has he entered into the heart of anyone. See, see, see. We have reduced the conversation of scripture. We brought it out of the supernatural. We brought it into, and then reduced the book to a book that's talking about the food you eat tomorrow. This book is, is the manual is of, his, of how to download a spiritual life into a man. That's all these men were teaching. Praise the Lord. Not as he entered into the heart of any man, what God has prepared for them now. But he has revealed them to us by his spirit. He's revealed them by what? The Spirit searches all things. Yeah, what? What are the deep things of God? Do you see what the Holy Ghost searches? It's not to tell you which stock to buy that will blow tomorrow. These are the things we call the wisdom of the Holy Ghost, right? We, we always change scripture. We, we always change it. We take the scripture, cut it half, cut what's in the end away, then bring our lost and put it at the end. <laughs> the deep things of God, the deep things of God, such as all things, yeah. The what? The deep things. So I seen those deep things of God. The deep things of God. It's what God has for man. So when we're talking about God now, a man, 
committing to God, being one with God. What we're just talking about is a man receiving the deep things of God. Those deep things of God are the things that I had not seen, nor ear heard, neither entered into the heart of any man what God has prepared for them that love him. See, honestly, if God blesses you with anything apart from himself, you have been cheated. But you know the funny thing, when God, God will bless us with something that unbelievers are enjoying, and then we'll be happy. God, he has done for me, he has done for me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Oh, you don't know that we have been what? That's, that's a low, low bargain. The real blessings are what is in God. Take everything we know in the natural, roll it up. Roll it away. Let it end. All the things that we know we use and all that. And it's ended. You've not even touched God's own economy of things. If the world is so full of things now, the being who created it, what is he empty? What I'm talking about, and we know we've preached it, and I say, okay, no, heaven is the goal. No, heaven is not the goal. Even the present heaven was created. Before God created present heaven, there were things in him. So what God wants to even give you is not the present heaven. So going to heaven is not the hope of Christianity. Because, of course, like we said last time, you can go to heaven, but all your time in heaven, you will never see God one day. So it's about God. What is, what is in him? Praise the Lord. So this thing called thy throne, O God, is forever. So when they say thy throne, O God, you see that conversation? There's a tendency to see it as that special Jesus who was God right from time, who just went back. It's just a normal thing. But it's hard to see yourself there that one day they can say to you, you thy throne, O God, is forever. It's very hard to see it. Yes, you know why? Because once you come with a religious mind, you can never see that. Yes, you can never, ever. Yes, you can never see that. Your religious mind will be like, what do you mean? Be humble, come on. <laughs> know your place. Know your place. You're an usher. <laughs> You're a keyboardist. <laughs> it sounds very, very humble, right? But Jesus Christ himself said it, he said it in the book of Revelation, chapter, chapter 3, at the end. So he that overcometh will I grant to sit with me on my throne, even as I overcame and sat with my father on the throne. So when he overcame, in order to sit with his father on the throne, the father said to him, Thy throne, O God, is forever. He brought him to sit upon what? Is throne. So that's the mechanism. Of course, so your own way of sitting too will not be different from Jesus's. Because when you overcome, he said, I will grant to him to sit with me. It's very, very clear. You will not sit where he's not. So if he's sitting on the throne, 
you will also sit on the throne as well. Praise the Lord. Now, so this is not the throne. What's clear from the throne is that the throne is a place of oneness. That's the the clear thing. You, you, don't, you won't see two brothers sitting on the throne. When you actually look at the throne, when you look at it, there's where you can look at the throne with the sense, eyes of trying to look for persons. When you're looking for different personalities, you can see different personalities on the throne. Like when you say him and his father. So two persons we know have gotten there. Right? You can count them too, but when you're not looking at person, when you're looking in terms of nature, you will never see more than one. There can be a million persons, but one nature. If anybody doesn't have that nature, they can never be on the throne. So see, this, is, this is a great sense of the New Testament. Anybody who doesn't read the New Testament with this sense will miss it. You must read the New Testament with the sense of natures. That's the sense of nature. If you don't read this, the New Testament with, in terms of, when I say nature, I mean what is inside, what is configured on the inside of a person. You must see, the, you must see it that way. Because that's where you get the accurate picture. Because that's the way they see in the spirit. That's the way they see in the spirit. In the, in the realm of the spirit, they can count a million people as one. But what will make them count a million as one? They have the same nature. That's, that's the whole secret of Christianity is body. One body. It's how to, it's how to, the whole point of Christianity is how to raise one body out of the earth. Though we are many, we are one body. One body. That's the, that's the, that's the whole thing. So, of course, oneness is not oneness in how many are there. No, it's how to remove the variation of the natures. Are you, are you seeing it? So, when God was looking at this Jesus and saying, Thy throne, O God, God wasn't saying, and he wasn't saying, Thy throne, O the second person of the Trinity. <laughs> Do you see that? That's not what he was saying. So this old God is not, oh, second person of the Trinity, who is, a, who is God too? Because all three of us are God. Thy throne, O God, is forever. That's the sense, the religious sense, but that's not what he's saying. God was looking at what you have become, the stature. You, you, this throne, you are deserving of it. When I look at you, it's your throne. It's your throne. Anybody who is like you, this throne belongs to them. Then Jesus said, He that overcometh will I make to sit with me on my throne as I overcame and sat with my father. So he can make, he that overcometh, they can be many, they can be billions. They can be billions. 
How many old gods would there, would there be? That's all God is looking for. It's being that of him. When you saw, when you saw that final, that one at the end of Revelation, carried me away in the spirit onto a high mountain, went to, went to show the wife of the lamb. And he showed me that great city descending out of heaven from God. From where? From God. Descending out of heaven from God. From God. Is it? Are you, are you, are you getting what I'm saying? It's, so you, you have to read that. It's very clear. When you read that place, if you don't have the New Testament eyes of seeing, they're talking about, all they're talking about is nature, spiritual natures inside the soul. That's what the city is. So you can, it's very clear why someone in a stature of a Christ who is not what they call an old God yet, why he won't sit on the throne yet. Because in that nature of Christ, there's still some leeway for somewhat, for some variation. Even though it's all, they are all of one, but there has to be what the Bible now refers to as the marriage. Marriage must occur. The process of marriage is the process where the brethren become one. Where brethren become one. Amen. So, so the throne, say the throne. The throne, the throne of God. Now, um, there is what you call the throne of God. It's just some sense I want us to see. Praise God. Yeah. And when you're coming into the kingdom, one of the first things you will meet are thrones. Now, we have to look at it. What shows that, revelation, that insight is when you look at the kingdom from the angelic. Right? When you look at the kingdom from the angelic, Right. Whether they be thrones or dominions. So those beings who are in that realm of principalities, powers, might, and dominion, those are also beings of thrones, right? And it's very clear that the 24 elders in heaven are also beings of thrones because if you're not if they're not throne beings, they won't have crown. On their head. It says that they are thrones who are who cast their own crown before the feet of another. So of the all there's the ultimate throne in heaven, which is the real throne, is the throne of God. But there are thrones that are not the throne of God. Now, what's the purpose of thrones? The purpose of throne is the throne is for the purpose of throne is for the exercise of dominion. And the ultimate purpose of exercise of dominion is unification. The purpose of the exercise of dominion is for, so the purpose of a throne is for unification. So if you have 
one throne, you have one nature. If you have many thrones, you will have many ones. Do you get, are, are you getting my the sense? We are going deep into scripture now, okay? Praise the Lord. If you have one throne, you have one. You have many thrones, you have many ones, which are many, but there are many ones. So, so, so gradually, you see, when you're moving, accessing the kingdom, once you move into the kingdom, you move into the realm of thrones. Actually, the first dimension of the kingdom is, you, when you enter into the kingdom, you just entered into a kingly realm. <laughs> The, f- the lowest realm of the kingdom is actually a kingly realm. You see, ah, we are all kings here. All of us here are kings. So. This, is a, this is a world of kings. So you see, the ultimate king is called the king of kings. That's who he is. He's the king of kings. His throne is a throne of thrones. In the book of Daniel, I saw thrones cast down. Thrones, plural. Then later, until the ancient of days came to sit. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the kingdom is actually a, is a, is a world of thrones. Yeah. And so each throne has an occupation. Ah, time has gone. Why does this thing always happen? When the message starts to open, that's, at the, that's the end of it. Praise the Lord. Um, now, so the, 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 the purpose of throne is to carry the operation of a king. Right? The purpose of a throne is to do what? To, to carry the operation. It's a symbol of the authority of a king. And when you see, if you look at the DNA of dominion, check the DNA of dominion. It's, it's, the purpose of dominion is to enforce or to bring about alignment. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. When you see a king who doesn't care, oh, everybody's doing their own thing, or I say, oh, I don't care, everybody can have their own, they can have their own way, right? Say, the kingdom, the king will say, okay, well, as in this kingdom, this is our flag, this is our flag according to my own, what I like, but you can have your own flag in your house. Make your own by yourself if you like. <laughs> or you say, well, well, in my own throne, this is my own law, but if you like, make your own law. You are not a king, you are a... <laughs> are you getting my point? When you check, take a king and peel him out. Check the core of his DNA. The DNA of a king is to make things align. That's the essence of dominion. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's to, the purpose of, the sense of dominion is to weed out variations. Weed out variations. Anything that doesn't align with the flow of this rule, a king is against it. That's why kings make war. In fact, the first time they mentioned king in the Bible was when they went to fight. <laughs> Do you remember? It was about the time of Abraham. When, right? Was it Genesis chapter? What chapter of Genesis now? Amen. Okay, so, so that was the first time the idea of kingship came in the scripture. Is where kings were exhibiting their 
their true DNA. They were in their element. All the kings that they showed. Is it chapter 5? No. Sorry, chapter 14. Right? The, they were, where, you just, so they just showed kings doing what kings do. That's just what kings do. What did they do? Fight. When this king see another king, say, ah, you. Oh, you don't agree with what I'm doing. No problem. Come and take. Can you come and sit here? Take my own chair. Add it to your own. He's not a king. Defy territory. One. That's the purpose of kingship. Dominion. Is to make one. To make one. That's the power of kingship. Do you get the sense? Also the power of throne. Now, the the the, the kings are necessary. Or the reign of kings, the era of kings, the rule of kings are necessary to drive souls to one to an end. To drive souls without thrones or kings, you cannot have dominion. I'm looking for words now to describe what I'm saying. Without throne in, in operation, you won't be able to get a soul to buy into another way of being or another life or to buy into some, being something else or abandoning his own thing and doing something else. You need the power of what? Of a throne or a power of a king to do that. So, Yes, praise the Lord. So, when you look at this world, when you see this world now, you see the world of souls in them, right? Right from the beginning. Praise the Lord. Then when you, you want to begin to trace the journey, the season of journeyings of souls, there are time when souls are changes. And this is what the scripture, the Old Testament really marks this thing. The season of the transformation of men is after the succession of kingdoms. Is that if you can't, if you cannot raise a king on the earth, men will be the way they are. Do you get what I'm trying to say? If you don't raise the kings on the earth, men will be the way they are. The purpose of kings is to organize, is to, is to organize the, the direction of transformation. Do you get what I'm saying? So you will now find something. If, we can, if you go to the Old Testament, you now begin to see that what began to happen on the earth for Centuries is when it's time. When it's time to move the earth 
to move souls on the earth into a new season or state of being, a new era. They have to raise a king that can push that dominion. So the season of the, of, of the characteristic of souls of men were actually tied to what king were in rule yes, on the earth. The book of Daniel is a book of dominions. Actually, the book of Daniel is the book of the, is the, book of the revelation of the trajectory of men, the journey of souls. Of men. See how you see all, all of Daniel's vision, all the disturbance, everything that was disturbing him is a, is a revelation heaven wanted to pass across to him for, as a prophet. That was his own, that was his own lot in the, in the scriptures of the prophetic scriptures. His own lot of the prophetic scripture is to prophesy concerning the, the seasons of the, of the transformation of men. To get men to the end time. So Daniel was a prophesier of the end. He didn't just prophesy of the end time. They showed him how will men arrive there. In nature. Read the book of Daniel. You'll see it. Praise the Lord. So, so that book of Daniel is more than just talking about Israel at that time. Of course, we know that, right? That really all the scriptures are scriptures of prophecy concerning the... What God is really concerned about is not about the nation of Israel on the earth. That Israel did this. Israel was taken to captivity. All of, like I said before, Israel was just acting drama. That's all they were doing. Who was the director of the drama? The producer and director is the Holy Ghost. Yes, Holy Ghost said, okay, what do we need to be inside scripture? Yeah. Okay, all these things that need to be in scripture, these are the things that will happen to Israel. So Israel was just going back for, for scriptures. In different areas, because was raising prophets and writers. Was writing concerning the movement of the nation. Things that happened to them. It was a script. It's actually a script that Holy Ghost was writing it for People to whom that script pertains, who are the New Testament children of God, who actually come into life in the spirit to act out that reality in their soul. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So you see, many of Daniel's revelation, after they revealed everything to him, they now told him in the end chapter, lock it up, seal it up. It's not for now. <laughs> when the guy is who this revelation is for, come. The spirit of it will open it up. So they left it. When John came later, John picked it up and began to use the revelations of Daniel in the new, with the New Testament light to unlock it, to give the, the sense that you apply to those things which he saw. Are you getting a sense of what I'm trying to say to you? So, so journey, there's nothing without dominions. If so, we're not journey, right? 
Like Jesus, for example, who was made a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, right? That Melchizedek stature which Jesus had. They now say, okay, who is this Melchizedek self? Right? Is the what? King of righteousness. King of peace. And then priest of the most high God. King of uh, king. So he's a king, 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 king. When you get into the outer court, you see kings there. Holy place. You see those priests who are wearing priestly garment? They are also kings too. Do you, do you agree with me? But those are not just ordinary kings, they are king priests. It's king. So the priesthood of God is not ordinary. They call it royal priesthood. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's called royal what? Priesthood. It's not an ordinary priesthood, it's royal to it. So it's also a king. So it's kingship, 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 kingship. It's all the thrones that are established to get that for men to journey with to get to the actual throne of God. Influences that should exact upon the soul to make the soul transform to that image. Now, what you now see is that on the other side of journey, which is journeying in darkness away from God, it can't be done without thrones and without kings. It cannot be drawn without what? Thrones and without what? Without kings as well. Praise the Lord. In the, the vision of the book of Daniel were just an archive of the all the kind of dominions that will exert upon men until the time of the end, right? So in the physical, God now permitted there to be physically kingdoms on the earth. And, the, in, in, and those kingdoms were kingdoms that ruled the whole earth at certain seasons. This one will rule. For the first one was the Babylonish kingdom. Right, the kingdom of Babylon. Those were kingdoms that ruled the whole earth. And then after that, another one, God will say, okay, it's time for, to, I'm done with you. He will bring another kingdom that will rule the whole earth. After the, the Babylon, the Babylonian kingdom, you have the, the Medo-Persian rule. They rule the earth. After that, the Grecians, according to the, the revelations of Daniel. So what happened in the natural were kingdoms that ruled earth that brought a certain influence over men. So those things happen physically, but that's not where the real revelation is. Is that those are types concerning the inward transitioning of dominion. That is so that need to arrive at the end. We need to undergo. Praise the Lord. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? In the 
in the, in the, there are different visions he showed um, Daniel. Remember the vision of the figure that was standing, that had the golden head, silver breast and hand, bronze torso, right? Then iron legs, and then at the feet, iron mixed with clay. Those are all different kingdoms that will come. But then he now showed another kingdom, which is like a stone, which is the everlasting kingdom of God that came and landed on that statue and shattered it to pieces. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Now, so to, to tell you that what Daniel was actually saying, he wasn't really prophesying about those kingdoms because after a while, you, can, you can't even see clearly the end of his prophecy in terms of acting out in the natural. Then later, he, spoke about, he always spoke about the kingdom. When they interpreted that stone coming, he's talking about when the people of God will come and they will be giving to them a kingdom that will be everlasting. Now, what is the meaning of that? Can there be an everlasting kingdom? on the earth. Of course, it's not physical. It's talking about a spiritual kingdom that will come at the end. Amen. Amen. Now, the education, there's an education that, that believers must have. Every Christian must understand this, the, the, the nature, the the, understand the dynamics of, of, of soul rule, R-U-L-E, or reign. How, how do dominions exert upon the soul? Any soul, and this is one of the knowledge of the kingdom. This is what you should learn in, you should learn in church. Any soul who is, who is, that is ignorant, Concerning, concerning influence, influences, power, dominions. Such a soul will never ever escape from what? The dominion of darkness. And without escape from the dominion of darkness, you can never come into we say he has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Deliverance, translation. Yeah. That deliverance and translation is not Jesus will show up with his big chest and muscle. I'm here to deliver you right now from everything. No, no. We're talking about deliverance by revelation, by light. Yes. Any soul that hasn't gotten inside, you've not been delivered. In other words, every person, the thing that binds us to our lust and our pride and everything that that are keeping us away from God is that deliverance from those things will never occur until a light comes inside of you that dislodges the grip of that thing. Someone who is pursuing something with the energy, that's not God. You can't advise them out of it. So I just came to advise you this morning, stop pursuing everything you're pursuing and follow God. That's not enough. Open the scripture, God, thou shalt love the Lord thy God and everything, only him shall thou serve. Take you have been delivered today. He will thank you. After thank you, you will take the scripture, read it. Wow. Thank you, Jesus, for this revelation. He will close it and go and do what he's been doing. What you've just done, you've not done anything to really tamper with how men live. Why do men flow a certain way? Why is that men don't have energy to look for God? 
preach every other thing, they will get excited. Preach just God. All excitement will die all of a sudden. Why is he's talking about is it because they are kings exerting dominion? So what you call the world, say world. The, I'm talking of that spiritual creature. When he said love not the world. It is actually a the world is actually a is a is a big house of thrones. Dominions. In other words, they are kings who are actively active channels of, of channeling things to men. What are they channeling? What men should love. What men should love. That's all the world is. Constantly is a is a setup. Satan himself set up the world to have thrones in it. Seats, thrones and seats in it. Seats that have the power to prescribe what men should love to them. What men love is allegiance. Allegiance. How you know a king is operating on somebody is that they have things that once they hear that thing, they lose control. Lose control. They are, they are composed. Not everybody has their own. They are different kings. So not every king is the same. When something from the dimension of the king that, is, that has his greatest influence on your soul comes, when a, a, new, a tiding from that realm comes to your soul. <laughs> That's how you see. You can see a quiet council with, hey, what's going on? When, when a king is calling, who are you not to answer? Are you getting what I'm saying? So when you say the world, the world is not just, it's not like a, a menu, optional things. Do you like this loss? No, I don't like that one. I choose the other one. Which loss do you choose? That's not the way lost is. To, you know, so that we act as if that's the way it is. That's why we think you can advise men out of their loss. Without power. I pity for any preacher that thinks that you can just nice talking, PowerPoint slide, and then just, right, this is what you do. I get what I'm saying. It means you don't know anything about souls. You don't, you don't know who souls are. <laughs> if, if they are lost, they will, put a, they will put a department for you and your PowerPoint inside there. You're talking about, anyway, you see a soul, what is keeping a soul from being given to God? They are thrones. Thrones that a soul cannot resist. A soul cannot deny. Now, when it calls, they, they answer. They are kings exerting upon the soul. So, you need something else to deliver a soul. You have to bring news from a, a higher king. Yes. It must land. Another throne must speak. Yes. Other thrones must speak. Yes. 
New Testament preachers are emissaries of thrones of God. Who are New Testament preachers? Beings who can, who have, who have paid the price to be able to tap into the secret. What secret? The secret of the king. What the king has to say. Who can connect the voice of the king? Who can, who can make, who can bring another sound to his soul? Different from the sound of the world. Who, there are people, God, the earth needs people who can make books to open. Like in the book of Daniel, that's how they showed it in the book of Daniel. After all the thrones were cast down, then another throne was, was brought, then books were open. Praise the Lord. Those books that are open in the book of Daniel were actually the opening of judgment. Yes. The secret of the king. Yes. Secret. Say secret. 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 Powerful things, revelations, insight, light. You can, no, nothing can take away darkness but light. Tell all the story you want to, advise all you want to, cajole all you want to, manipulate all you want to. Nothing can take away darkness, blindness. Blind. What makes a man show his life, his energy, to pursue things that are passing away is blindness. He doesn't know that it's vanity. But what can bring that illumination to the heart? Light must land. What is light? It's a light that can illuminate substances. It's not easy. Holy Ghost must be involved. Holy Ghost is a being who can take something abstract and completely spiritual and has no relevance to a man's life. No relevance. So I mean that you, can, there's not, you can't go and sell it. You can't buy it. It doesn't convert to cash like that. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Like all, we are talk, all the things we are learning. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. If I came to teach you 10 steps to make it in the... Uh, you can take it out and teach people and they will pay you. Yeah. But there's no way you can go, you can't go and create advertisement about what? Master class. For what? Master class for the divine nature. I bet you nobody will sign up. Why? Because it has no relevance to men. But you know the age we are getting into. I just want to know if, I don't know if you know the age we are coming in. We are coming to the age where people will just begin to arise and will begin to say, that thing called divine nature, what is it? This is the season. This is the time. 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 This is the season. This is the season. This is the season. When souls will come, they will come to the waters. Like the prophet cried, Oh, come ye to the waters. Come ye. Come and buy without money and without price. Come. Come. Come to the waters. Come and eat. Eat. Why do you labor for that which satisfied not? 
Why do you spend yourself for that which is not bread? Come and eat. Eat that which is good. And let your soul delight itself in fatness. And say, there I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. This is a time when souls will begin to come to, this, to waters. Waters. Waters that can bring satisfaction that all the money in the world cannot give. All the fame in the world cannot give. All the power in the world cannot give. Let's just begin to bless God. Let's begin to pray in the spirit. And Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for these seeds that you have planted in our hearts today. Thank you. Thank you. You are, you are convincing us as you are making the picture clearer and clearer and clearer. You are deepening the conviction of these things. Father, I pray every heart will be impregnated. Hope for these things. Passion. Desire. For them. Lord, the influence of thrones and kings of the world, they will begin to die. Lord, you will begin to set up your own throne. Your own dominion. Thank you, Father. We give all the glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You dwells between the cherubim, shine for. You dwells between the cherubim, shine for. You dwells between the cherubim, shine for.